Welcome to Healthcare Upside Down with your host, Dr. Nick Vanterhaven, and brought to you by ECG Management Consultants. You can learn more about the show on the program's page at healthcarenowradio.com or on our blog at ecgmc.com slash hud. The U.S. spends more on healthcare per capita than any other country on the planet. So why don't we have superior outcomes? Why haven't the principles of capitalism prevailed? And why do American consumers have so much trouble accessing and paying for healthcare? Each week, Healthcare Upside Down will dive into these and other issues with ECG principal, Dr. Nick, and guest panelists as they discuss the upsides and downsides of healthcare in the U.S. and how to make the system work for everyone. And we end with your better pill to swallow, the conclusion to today's episode with insights on challenges and changes that improve healthcare. Now here's your host, Dr. Nick. The recent chat GPT buzz got me thinking about some history in this space and technology and its relevance to the latest excitement in the supposed amazing progress in this area. Did something change in the technology? Why suddenly the renewed interest and excitement? All hype? Or was there some new leap that sets up the potential for additional applications of the technology? Plenty of opinions and examples, but the question in my mind is there gold in then thar hills? I spent a significant part of my career in speech recognition. I joined the community in the very early days when it was still a narrow application, very research orientated and had been struggling to get out of the lab and into general use. There were some key inflection points that included the addition of continuous speech recognition from the original one word at a time method, which was useful, but not that useful. But when we threw enough horsepower at it, optimized the sound to reduce the background noise with high-quality directional microphones, and trained the hell out of the speaker model, it could do some amazing things in a heavily scripted demonstration. Sadly, a lot of people were sucked into the hype cycle by these demonstrations. Some I probably gave myself at high-profile events or key conferences like RSNA. And then found to everyone's regret that the reality was far more nuanced than it appeared in the demonstration. My lasting quote from that time was, speech recognition has been two years away for the last 10 years, and it's still two years away. But that's not true anymore. And the inflection point, at least from a general awareness of the technology, came with the arrival of Siri. Not the first voice enablement, but one that really caught people's imagination and even managed to score parts in television series at the time. The technology underlying speech recognition has been around for decades. Analysis of words and audio sounds in big data sets that can be processed to create predictive models. I'm generalizing and oversimplifying a bit here, but essentially the concept of artificial intelligence or machine learning applied to this data. Are we at a critical inflection point and expecting to see a big acceleration in automation and insights generated from semi-intelligent systems that generate newfound understanding in healthcare? Join me this week on the Healthcare Upside Down show in our series focused on chat GPT as we talk with Prashant Natarajan. He is a best-selling author of Demystifying AI for the Enterprise and also a Vice President and General Manager at H2O.AI. 
Hi, Prashant. Welcome to the show. Hey, Dr. Nick. Delighted to be here. So ChatGPT is taking over the world. It seems like every corner I go to, even down to the local market, people are talking ChatGPT has solved these amazing problems. I, I just feel like this isn't new technology. And, you know, we've seen some of this before. What are your thoughts? Uh, that's a great topic, great conversation. I do have some thoughts on this, Dr. Nick. I would say that on one hand, the excitement around chat GPT is real and needs to be celebrated for various reasons, which I'll touch upon briefly. On the other hand, we also have to temper it with what makes it usable and scalable, not just in the typical customer journey perspectives or having you do your homework uh, homework that the dog can't eat, uh, or, or, or also to figure out how to do a chatbot, right? We have to focus on adoption in the enterprise, which is where the impact framework, which I talk about in my latest book, comes up. And we should also talk about what we need to do to scale it. Scale it so that we don't recreate the digital divide that sometimes access to technology such as AI, advanced data science, machine learning, and deep learning may be inadvertently created, where the world is divided by those who have access to large language models and those who don't have large access to large language models. The one thing I might respectfully disagree with your premise up front is the comment that it's not new technology. I would agree with you to a certain extent in that the idea of speech processing or natural language processing or document processing is about as old as we were able to convert text or natural ways of communicating into electronic or even prior to electronic analog ways, right? We can still go after medical records from 70 years ago or images taken from 50 years ago or go back to the earliest audiographs made from 120 years ago and still make sense of it with machine mm -hmm. learning and deep learning. So I think that is the big difference. So I would say the new thing that is happening now is leveraging data to make the outcomes better as opposed to rule-based methods. So on that last point, I may probably beg to differ that it is not new technology. I think it is new technology. It's data-driven as opposed to human and machine rules-driven and bias-driven approaches. Yeah, I think you make a great point, and I like that. You know, let's celebrate this because I, I, I think we need to celebrate the advancement. And when there's a big buzz, that's, for the most part, positive, unless it's, you know, spoofing. And I don't think they're spoofing. They genuinely are producing real results, you know, even if it is for homework, cheaters, or whatever you want to call them, to be clear, I'm, I, I'm not passing any judgment on this. I'm excited about it. I think my caution around this is, you know, around a couple of things, and, and you bring up some of that. I think the digital divide is an interesting area to explore, because as I think about that, I think about it in sort of a a slightly different term, not so much about the language models and, you know, the data models, which is a huge deal. And, you know, if you don't have access to it, how do you get access and is there some pathway to it? But I also think about what that technology delivers and, you know, our access to it. But the other thing that really 
I, I, I sort of want to focus in on because, you know, I, I'm healthcare focused. I know you have been uh, and, and are. Is, is this really going to help or is it going to hinder? We've seen so much technology dumped into the healthcare. Oh, this is great. Latest and greatest. And, you know, ChatGP is certainly in, in amongst that. And yet it doesn't actually bring value. It just brings just another step or task in the process. What do you think? Dr. Nick, you and I go back quite a bit of time. Oh, steady previous... on now, steady on. Don't age me. <laughs> yeah, well, not from an age perspective, but from the pleasure <laughs> of having known each other and having collaborated with each other from your previous roles at Entity Data, my roles at Oracle, where we were talking about natural language processing and speech processing 10 years ago, right? Just right. you and I. So yeah. I, I don't think this is completely new to us, right? I just want to step back for a minute, right? I do agree with you on reasons for, shall we say caution and maybe even skepticism, right? And in 2017, when Dr. John Prenzel and, uh, and I, uh, Herb Smalls wrote uh, Demystifying Big Data and Machine Learning for Healthcare. At that time, there was a different hype cycle going on. I own name companies and products, but I think we all go back to, we were about to cure cancer, I believe, or we were planning to at that point with some dramatic AI technology that was going to do it. I don't know, the last time I worked was over the weekend talking to some oncologists uh, in the country's capital, the background that you have there. And we were talking about how can we leverage computer vision and natural language processing on cancer detection. So the last wave of when we tried to cure cancer with uh, certain technology didn't happen. So I'd be very, very nervous to say that this next one is going to absolutely do it. On the other hand, I feel confident. Um, I, I think there's a, some reasons for us to be very positive about what's going on. So if you don't mind, I'd like to touch upon those first, right? But before doing things, I just want to touch upon, okay, first, what is the idea? I don't want to go into what chat GPT is or what instruct GPT is or what H2O is doing, for example, with hydrogen touch. That's for a different conversation. I want to just talk about the idea of what, what are large language models because I think that goes fundamentally to our conversation. So I think the difference is chat GPT and related technologies, and it's not the only one. Facebook put out a large language model about four weeks, uh, which was not received very well. And we'll touch upon that. Why? Because I think that has some cautionary tales for us. And then uh, there are others been doing, uh, just in the healthcare and the medical space, we have been looking at things like Clidibert and BioBert and various other types of transformer models that we have been working on for quite some time, right? But the reason, what is a large language model? At its very basis, a large language model is, again, data science in action. It is a probability distribution of something over a corpus of data, right? Which is what data science and data mm -hmm. is all about. So typically, how ChatGPT does it is, it uses a large language model to predict the next word based on a corpus of existing data. In this case, all internet data from this year to this year, including Wikipedia, blogs, et cetera, et cetera. The second thing that happens is there are human labelers who actually go in and label the data. 
which chat gpt then uses to predict the sequence of words right so that's one thing now why is this exciting it's exciting for a few reasons one i and you we all know just given our own careers and backgrounds that humans prefer interacting in as natural ways as possible what does that mean it means primarily text i'm sorry speech and speech vision and haptic right so eyes tongue and mouth and the sense of touch right that is how we communicate of course ears and all that come in but anything that has to do with sensory organs is the preferred option that we do communication in if you can't do that what can you do next you can come up with surrogate data sets which are things like text chat chats whether it's with a live agent or a chatbot recordings transcripts this is the next best thing when you can't get to a live conversation or recorded binary rossets the third best is converting it into structured data if you look at the last 40 years computational investments and systems have been focused on improving business processes clinical processes erp processes over building systems to capture the structured data master it govern it and get value out of it we have not had the opportunity to go after these unstructured data sources i'm not saying chat gpt is a miracle but it gives us significant pointers on how to leverage one significant what i would call data source which is large text wherever that large text comes from number one second is the applications of it immediately as we saw with microsoft deploying bing with chat gpt enabled google's reaction on bringing up bard i'm not going to go into that but the fact is the immediate applications are intelligent search notwithstanding my joke about homework people also we know want to search with narrator right they want to search for things as they do when we speak with each other chat gpt enables that much and other large language models right and their extensions enable that they also are pretty helpful in a chatbot context where you have customer journeys customer conversations right and then more importantly as you pointed out in our pre convo they are accessible to jane doe and joe doe because they are able to understand this so they are able to understand that data science machine learning deep learning ai is not just the stuff of terminator anymore it is not just about the machine that is going to give you the involuntary robotic colonoscopy that was scheduled for you by some other algorithm no it's not about that it's about things that you can use things that can make your life easier in an augmented way in an amplified way and in an assisted way which goes back to my comment that i make frequently in my talks as well as in my book that the ai in ai is not always just artificial intelligence it's also amplified intelligence it's augmented intelligence and it's assistive intelligence what chat gpt why we are seeing so much excitement is it because it meets two of those it is augmented intelligence allows me to search for things to augment the way i think the way i speak number 1 through writing yeah the second is its assistant it allows me to do things beyond homework that allows me to get back to the task i was trying to do 
the reason that people use computing in general is not always just to interface with the computing ecosystem. It's also to provide information, knowledge, or actions that they can take back to the real. I'll stop here for a minute because I think we are almost like I would say, uh, Dr. Nick, at a moment when the first rocket ships were created, right? At that point, we could not dream about going to the moon or sending the Hubble Space Telescope or sending someone to Mars as some of our friends on uh, a social media plan. Uh, on the other hand, if we look at this as a significant way by which we are able to put knowledge to work, and we are able to elevate the conversation, and we are able to truly curate the large amount of text data that exists and make it contextually relevant, then I think it is technology that is going to be with us. Now, having said all of that, there are reasons to be extremely skeptical. These models are only as good as the, but I'll go to that based on what you thought about my preceding uh, soapbox moment. I, I, so many points to sort of unpack there and, you know, limited amount of time. So let, let me just pick on a couple because I think, um, you, you know, I agree with you in, in large part, but I, I, I want to push back on a couple of things. Uh, if, if you think about what ChatGPT has done, at least the majority of the use cases that I see are really about that augmentation and assistance. And you specifically cite the search. I'm going, well, actually, Google was pretty good at that, to be fair. I mean, we've all used it. It's the dominant presence. And sure, it's a little bit more filled with adverts and, you know, whatever. But it, it's as good as it gets. I mean, I was reminded of this because I looked at my bookmarks collection and realized how I had not looked at it in years. I mean, who collects bookmarks? I used to have a massive collection. Don't need it anymore. But really, where is it going to give us more than that? Is there opportunity to deliver some value of that augmentation and assistance beyond what we're seeing today, which is, yeah, it's it's a helpful thing, but it's not really, it, it doesn't warrant the excitement that I've seen, but I like. I mean, let's be clear. You and I are both geeks, so I think we're we're enamored by it. But I also try and be a little bit more practical. Is the practical right. intent and practical delivery in healthcare? In in Dr. Nick, you know, not just from our work, but to compatriots and work. My previous book also uh, in 2017, I I talked about this. Right? There's no single intelligence in a box. Number one, that's going to cure any disease. Uh, I'm sorry, let's forget cancer for a minute because there's so much to unpack there, but not even the common cold. And I say that as someone who's having a cold right now and who works on this for a living. <laughs> Number one. Number two, in 2017, I wrote in my book when deep learning was at the rage, saying that, no, you're wrong. You are, we are not going to have a world where deep learning is going to completely replace a radiologist. So I just, I, I would like to continue that informed skepticism with respect to this as well, right? I think the one, a couple of things. What we have today is as good as the training data, as good as the uh, labeling and the retraining, number one. Number two, 
We have already seen enough examples of chat GPT in use where the outputs are blatantly untruthful, are toxic, or reflect harmful sentiments. And we have seen that with news items recently, for example, with one of the industrial houses that has come out at short sellers, others, where there was some information about the short seller in question, which is blatantly untrue. It said that the short seller is banned from issuing reports in the United States. And that's not the case, right? So you can see like stuff that can be, to your point, gotten through a search engine. Chat GPT could not get that. Right, we saw some challenges with Google's BART as well. Because what they are trying to do here is these models, again, like going back to my definition, they're trying to predict text. They're not right. trying to tell us what the truth is. So they instruct GPT, which is the next evolution of chat GPT, but also bringing it together with enterprise data uses and retraining is going to be the most important before we can truly say that we have succeeded even forget we have succeeded, but we have succeeded in understanding how it can be used in a positive way. So I, I, I think if I, I take what you've just said and, you know, informed skepticism is what I would anchor on here. I think that's a great way to sort of position this, but also with, as you described, um, you know, excitement that's real uh, around this and the, the potential that has sort of maybe open more people's eyes to what's going on. I think, you know, those that are in the field realize that this was all going on in the background for a lot longer than this. You know, just the fact that your uh, Waze application said, hey, I think you need to leave now, not in 20 minutes, because otherwise you're going to be late because I've already analyzed all that, is, is some of that value. And, you know, rightly, you, you point out that, issue of you know this is not replacement it's it, it I, I never really saw it that way i think it's the elevation of knowledge to more utility in our world in general but i think in medicine and you know let's bring it back to to sort of round this out you know you described the the cancer piece and that was something that, you know, I, I, and that's a box. It's a single item. You know, it's, it's preposterous. But there has to be some real short term positive potential projects for people to consider. Yeah, I can actually help quite a bit there, Dr. Dick. There have been some conversations about did AI work or not during COVID? Yeah, uh, hospital capacity prediction and management for example, medical referral management of document referrals, computer vision on tools to aid radiologists, not to replace them, looking at supply chain in healthcare, predicting operating room block productivity and efficiency using scheduling data across board. These are all real use cases that at H2AI, our health and life sciences team, are working with multiple organizations globally. I'll send you a link of about 150 use cases of health AI in action, which you can share with the team, uh, with your audience. So I, I think that's great. So real potential, I think, you know. Validated um, success stories. In, in informed skepticism that says, you know, this is not, and I like your sort of referral back to this, it's not a black box, you know, you can't see it yeah. that way. 
And, you know, the whole concept of that data source, obviously the inbuilt bias that's in there that we have to be conscious of. Um, and perhaps, you know, the opportunity in, uh, in another episode to talk about tagging, because, you know, that's one of my other areas of interest, because potentially at some point we may never need to tag again because we may be able to automate the tagging process. Um, but uh, I just uh, just want to thank you for joining me on the show, Prashant. Thanks thank for you. joining me on the show. Yes, sir. It's such a pleasure. And thank you. And thank you, audience. So I think for now, it's clear. ChatGPT is not the advent of Skynet from Terminator, but rather the launch of the first rocket on our journey into interstellar space. This is an early but critical step on the way to incredible progress that can automate many of our mundane tasks and elevate data to knowledge that we can use more effectively in healthcare. Your better pill to swallow? is to accept the arrival of augmented, assisted intelligence that can deliver real value in healthcare, making use of those huge data lakes being created in many areas by linking the data to value propositions in your setting. The capabilities are available but tend to be narrow and not generalizable. But as I said with speech recognition many years ago, you're either on the train, in this case the AI train, or you're on the platform watching the train leave. Thanks for joining me, your host, Dr. Nick, on this week's edition of Healthcare Upside Down. Until next week, keep solving the business of healthcare as if your life depended on it, as one day soon, it will. That's all the time we have for today. You can find all of our episodes on your favorite listening platform by searching for Healthcare Now Radio. Also, check out our blog at ecgmc.com slash hud for summaries and commentary from each episode. Follow our show's social hashtag, HCUpsideDown. And join us each week as we work to solve the business of healthcare for everyone.